0: He sees what is broken, and He is a God who reconciles, who brings back together and brings peace. He did that with the plan through His Son. You are a new creation, and it's a new you. Reconciled all your relationships. The following is from Rock of Ages, Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona. Reach out with rock-solid hope, maroonful country. February 16th, 2020. Matthew 5, 21-37. Every now and then, we lose one of our cups or bowls. And if you have a house that has tile floor and maybe have little children, you know how that works. Every time, the tile floor will win. And the couple remained shattered on the floor. It's gotten to the point where my wife and I just kind of shrug our shoulders and say, there goes another one. We don't replace them anymore. Well, do we ever have this sort of an attitude towards the broken relationships around us? Do we ever just say, well, I'm not going to get along with that person anymore. It's, that's life. Well, this morning we continue our series, New year, new you. As we look at how we are part of God's new creation, and as disciples of Jesus, we have a whole new perspective on those relationships that we have with those around us. Jesus here is teaching his disciples, teaching us on the importance of loving those around you. He says, You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. That much maybe we can easily say, well, I, I, I can keep that command, I'm not going to go and kill anybody. And maybe since I'm not murdering, it might be okay for me to just let some of my hatred or anger boil over in some other ways. Jesus says, I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Could we ever, as a disciple of Christ, simply allow ourselves to be the antagonist in a relationship, or be the one who would slight somebody, or make some sort of derogatory comment of a another person, aimed at hurting them. Could we ever, as a disciple of Christ, decide that we just want to dismiss somebody, ignore somebody, and allow the ruptured relationship to continue to fester to their detriment and to ours? Jesus talks about how important it is not just to try to get along as far as it's possible, but to try to be at peace, to reconcile. And Maybe that anger might boil over in words, or maybe it might come out in comments, but Jesus says, anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. He takes this pretty serious. So what do you do when you have a ruptured relationship with somebody? Easy just to kind of just leave it. Well, there's another one. Not going to fix that and leave it like a shattered dish on the floor. I don't have to get along with that person, so I'll just not get along. And for my part, let them know. And aren't we quick sometimes, rather than to seek to reconcile and to make peace, to maybe just make clear where the battle lines are. Jesus says, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and remember that you have something against somebody, first, leave your gift. Go and reconcile and be at peace. Brothers and sisters, how, how could we come to worship our God and come offer praises to Him when we cannot even get along with the person who is shoulder to shoulder with us, sometimes even at the Lord's table? So Jesus impresses, deal with it. It's important to deal with it right away. And then He also says, settle matters quickly with someone if you're going to court. Because aren't we sometimes those who want to wait, not to acknowledge our wrong, but those who want to wait to see if we can maybe get the upper hand in the broken relationship. Maybe if we can come out on top. But then it comes where they we're brought before the judge and finally we're made, demanded to make restitution. Jesus says that's, that's not the way it should be. That God's disciples wait until the last moment and when they, they have to reconcile or apologize. It's like someone going before court, and eventually the judge will say it's too late. Jesus goes on to talk about other relationships, those that are even even closer. We can see right here that when it comes to our love for others, sometimes relationships will crumble, and our old self remains shattered and in a mess. He goes on to talk about those close relationships that happen even within the family. He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Once again, that's maybe easy for some to keep. The world would even acknowledge it. It's wrong to be unfaithful. It's wrong to cheat. Jesus gets to the heart of the matter. I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. The world struggles to understand this. Some Christians even fail to grasp this truth. But God's not so concerned with if you go out and commit sexual immorality. He's worried about where your heart is centered and what are the desires of your heart. The lust is equal to committing the action that lust desires. And any desire outside the bonds of marriage, God says is immoral and guilty, makes you guilty of adultery looks at this, we begin to see God is concerned not just with our actions, but with our hearts. And someone might clamor, the world might say, well, what's wrong with lust? it's, It's only natural. That doesn't make it right. Just as being selfish, telling lies, hurting other people is only natural. That doesn't make that right relationships are destroyed, even with lust from the heart. And the world might say, well, I'm not hurting anybody, but lust does hurt. It not only hurts the person who is either in a marriage or in a future marriage, it hurts your own heart, and it hurts those who are either being exploited for pornography or those who are themselves lost in a misunderstanding of sexuality. Lust always damages. And... It destroys relationships. It destroys the human mind. And it crumbles all the relationships around you. And our old self is left in a crumbled mess. He goes on. It is better for you, if you have a trouble with this, to show us the seriousness. To even just cut out your eye if it causes you to sin. And to cut off another part of your body if it causes you to sin. Rather than to be thrown into hell. You see, just like the fifth commandment, the sixth commandment is a serious sin. Sometimes someone might say, well, it's okay because I have a piece of paper. But he says here, if your piece of paper is outside of the Bible, don't think that it makes sexual sins okay. Again, you've heard that it was said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you, Anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Simply having a correct piece of paper from the legal authorities does not make or change the word of God regarding marriage. We might say, well, I'm above and beyond fault because it's a mutual agreement for separation. But God intends marriage to be lifelong. And really, if you ask anybody who suffered the pains of a broken marriage, they will tell you a piece of paper does not fix the ruptured relationship. It does not repair the hurt and harm that comes with a broken family. Relationships crumble, and our old self is once again left in a mess. And then finally, Jesus, we're going to mention one more, talks about probably what is the biggest problem between our relationship with others. Some people will bring in God's name to assure they're speaking the truth because we are desperate to let people know that we can be trusted because the biggest rupture of any relationship is the fact that if you lie if you lie just once, everything you say after that is suspect. And to tell a lie, Jesus says, to fail to follow through on something that you've said or promised you would do, he says, is to lie like the devil. And with those lies, we destroy the relationships around us. And our old self remains shattered and ruined. When we look at all this, you might say, well, these are just small infractions, right? Just something from the heart, a, a feeling, a thought, a word. It's not that big of a deal, is it? But it destroys relationships. You know, there was a, a misspelling that happened once. How do you spell the word Wisconsin? W I S C O N S I N? Or W I S C O N S O N? supposed to be S I N, but what does it matter? It's just a small mistake. At least it shouldn't happen, especially when it did in 1988 to those diplomas for those who are graduating from the University of Wisconsin. A small mistake. But you can imagine a measure of embarrassment that came from that. Bigger mistakes have happened, like the 1632 King James Bible. When someone printed the Bible, they just missed one word. Word not. So that the rendering of the sixth commandment came out as, Thou shalt commit adultery. Just a small mistake, but the printer was fined a hefty sum and lost his reputation. But when it comes to God's word, it's even bigger than an embarrassment or a fine when astronauts go in outer space, they know just tightening the wrong bolt the wrong way, stepping in the wrong direction could mean tumbling into orbit and dying, or their spacesuit leaking and sudden death. That's the way it is with God's commands. And we see here how Jesus mentions the seriousness of breaking these commands, even in the smallest way, even in the heart, as he says, You'll be in danger of the fire of hell, we'll be thrown into hell, and we'll be like the devil and join Satan the punishment of hell. If, if, as he says here, to have a hurtful thought is to murder, who can say they deserve a good relationship with others and God? If to have an impure thought is to commit adultery, who can say they are pure and deserve to be with God? If, if to fail to follow through on your word is to lie like the devil, who can claim that they deserve to be with the God of truth? Thank God, when you look at, he is one who sees the the shattered self that we are and the broken relationships, not just between us, but between us and our God. He sees what is broken, and he is a God who reconciles, who brings back together and brings peace. He did that with the plan through his son. Look at Jesus, the one who says all these things. Jesus, the, the one who never once, never once said something that would be designed to hurt someone else. Every word he spoke, every word to build up, every word truth. Jesus never once sought to harm another, but in our place lived a perfect life. And Jesus never once had an impure thought, but regarded woman as a gift in God's creation. Like men in God's image, and to be honored and respected. In marriage, he always spoke in honor of marriage. Never once did Jesus have any impure motive or desire. Never once did he fail to follow through on what he promised or said or spoke. Never once did he speak a falsehood, but as the very Son of God, he spoke the word of truth. Now consider, Jesus did that, as the scriptures say, to fulfill righteousness for you. You and I have this passport to heaven that we know is smeared and we're deserving because of the the tear and the smear more than a misspelling but an incorrect passport that says we're designated for hell. But Jesus gives his perfect life the perfect passport and gives it to you and says you have his righteousness. It's yours. Credited to you. And you might say well what about all the, the wrongs that I have that make me guilty of deserving of the fire of hell? God says that not only did Jesus live for your righteousness to give you a passport to heaven, but he removed everything that condemns. And on the cross, he suffered in our place every wrong and the torments of the fires of hell that we deserved. That you and I now, with a new spirit, are a new self. You have been made new. And as part of that new creation with the righteousness of Christ and a passport that's perfectly signed and sealed, ready for heaven, you are an instrument of praise for your God. Your life is one where you will now be able to seek to reconcile with those around you as far as it's possible and to live in love and to live in purity and to live in truth, serving your God, the God who has given you everything. You know, I don't know exactly how long it took, but I think it was something like six months. They had their diplomas that said Wisconsin. They celebrated their graduation. Many of them hung them on the walls of their offices. About six months, I think, went by before anyone noticed. I guess their diplomas were probably still good because they came from the university. How much more you and I, having been restored Reconciled, brought together that new self in Christ with a passport sealed by Christ, are destined for heaven. His forgiven, reconciled people. You are a new creation, and it's a new you, reconciled all your relationships. Amen.